You're listening to Girovagando, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Giro d'Italia, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Today we are in Bagno di Romagna. Well, what a boisterous scene, Daniel. Where are we? We're in the middle of Bagno di Romagna, which well, is in which region, Richard? Oh, I know this. Um, uh, not Tuscany. No, but I'm going to hit you with a little cultural oh, tangent no. straight away. Um, the peculiarity of this place is not in Tuscany. It's nowhere near Florence. But if we were to eat here tonight, have dinner here, which we're not because we're staying um, an hour down the road, but we would we would have unsalted bread like you get in Tuscany because this place used to belong to the sort of um, well the administration of Florence. So you've got this weird sort of unsalted bread enclave in the middle of Emilia Romagna. Um, I could talk about unsalted bread and Central Italy for a long time, but I won't bore well, everyone. Um, we had uh, quite a lot of unsalted bread last night as we waited for dinner in Tuscany. Uh, and, uh, well, who was at the next table, Daniel? Should we drop that in already early? In the, I mean, not, not a lot happened in today's stage, really. There was a bit of drama, a bit of beef, appropriately enough. Bisteca Fiorentina. But um, who, who did we have dinner with last night? He says massively embellishing in the voice what actually of, happened. In the voice and exact words of his... Um, answer message on his phone Patrick Lefebvre we happened to eat in the same restaurant uh, one night at the Tour de France last year and you do know you're in a good place when Patrick Lefebvre is there but he's obviously over back over at the Giro for a few days um, it, was, it was obviously a special dinner because he had a 100 kilometre drive to the team hotel after the dinner who was he having dinner well, with? well on the car park at our accommodation and at the restaurant it was full of cars with Slovakian number plates uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I say full. I definitely saw there was one. one. <laughs> I definitely saw one. It was one. an old banger. And they were, yes. No. And um, I think there were some um, Slovakian people wow. in our hotel, and um, they seemed to be dining with Patrick Lefebvre. They were dining. We were trying to, trying to listen into the conversation, but there, there wasn't an awful lot of conversation. When there was, it seemed that um, Mr. Lefebvre was holding court a little bit. Uh, but anyway, saw him As again he's today. Want to do. Yeah. Um, th- but, he, you know. Well, maybe his, maybe, uh, maybe the, the fruits of that dinner will become apparent at some point in the future. He was enjoying his Brunello. There was a bit of a selection of different Brunelli on that table that I noticed. We had one from a property called Poggio Landi, which I was a little bit disappointed with, to be honest. Um, Brunello, we talked about how it has to be aged five years. It's a big, beefy wine. And sometimes the lighter Rosso di Montalcino, which isn't aged for quite as, quite as long a time, can be... Um, can be a more pleasant drink and I think that would have been the case last night we weren't following him or anything but we did stop in the same uh, little bar roadside bar for lunch uh, as Patrick Lefebvre today and he said any Slovakians in there? no I, could, I didn't you know if there were any Slovakians but he said what, what did you think of the kitchen? <laughs> which I think he meant by that he meant how did I enjoy my meal 
Anyway, um, shall I get on with the tale of the we were very I must say, Rich, we were very diplomatic and we were very restrained and professional last night because it was all, well, it was mainly kicking off on social media and on, you know, vlogs and pods and, and everything else that, that there were lots of, there was lots of conjecture about how um, Zhao Almeida rode yesterday and also Remco Vanderpol and whether you know there was or could be or should be some dispute between or some um, discord between them about how Almeida in particular had ridden yesterday. But just, we we just, didn't broach it with Patrick. No, we didn't. We didn't. Uh, just on that though, the, uh, Zhao Almeida was quoted in the Portuguese press um, as uh, with, well, he, he apparently said the following that he felt good and he had the chance to be with the best riders on the day, but he had to follow orders. I had to follow orders from the support car to wait for Remco, as you'd expect. He was five minutes. He'd lost five minutes. Do I feel disappointed? I'd rather be silent than say what I think. Oh, Chiro! <laughs> How are you, Chiro? Fine, How convenient. Um, Chiro is the only person. Most people, when you send them a WhatsApp and you make a request, um, do you know this? Can you send me this? They send you a WhatsApp back. Chiro appears because I sent him a WhatsApp asking him a, qu a question a couple of minutes ago. I appears uh, when uh, maybe nobody seems uh, expect my appearance. Well, I certainly didn't expect it, Chiro. But I don't know. I don't know because I'm always here. I'm uh, kind of um, an important, a basilar fig figure of the panorama of the Giro, I think. As the Maglia Rosa, more or less. I think I have the same And you're also wearing a Maglia Rosa today. Yes, sure. Uh, I, more or less, I don't want to say that uh, I have the same importance of the pink jersey, but a little bit less. Not. Uh, it's not, not for you to say, Chiro. But others can say that. <laughs> I'm going to try a, a quick fire round with Chiro. A new approach with Chiro today. I'm going to give you topics and you give me a quick answer, Chiro. Okay. Brambilla, we'll get to the tail of the tapper in a minute, Rich. Brambilla and George Bennett. Brambilla was upset at the finish. What did he say? What did he think? Yes, well, I mean, uh, what did he think? Uh, I think I should enter in his mind that it's not easy. But I think he was upset with Bennett for the strategy in the last climb. In his opinion, he could have at least won the race or arrived to play his choice till the finish line. And so for this reason, but was upset. He was the faster rider. He's got a better sprint than Bennett, so he logically should have been doing more work. Yes, it's true, but you have also to consider also Vendram eh, as a strong sprint. I don't know, in, uh, in a head-to-head, -head, maybe Vendram eh, could have uh, won also against Pramila, in my opinion. Next question, the shark. We saw the, some signs of life from the shark today. I mean, uh, signs of life. Uh, we have to consider that the big mountains are still coming and uh, I don't know uh, really how much uh, the shark can be competitive in high mountains. I don't see him uh, on the podium in Milan, but maybe trying to animate some stages for a stage victory, why not? Last talking point, Chiro, not least. I want a comment from you on big day, good day, happy day for Radio Viviani. Radio Viviani, explain why. Uh, because uh, he will, uh, Elia has been chosen with uh, another Italian female athlete, Jessica Rossi, to represent uh, at the Olympics the nation. In the uh, opening ceremony, he will have uh, with Jessica Rossi the flag of uh, 
our nation. So it was, I talked to him uh, uh, after the finish line. He was really proud. Every of us is really proud because we are sure that if we will ask for a comment uh, to him on his experience, maybe to uh, record this comment, uh, we could uh, take two days of holidays. Otherwise, uh, because it's not easy, you know, when Elia starts to speak, it's really difficult to stop. Don't <laughs> call Radio Viviani for nothing. Okay, bye, Chiro, our very own Will of the Wisp. Okay, well, Tale of the Tapa. Siena to Bagno de Romagna, 212 kilometers, four classified climbs and around 4,000 meters of climbing. You're saying 4,500 meters, Daniel. On the data that I had before the race, it was 4,400 and something. Okay, well, a lot of climbing, but not, not very high, but up and down all day. A, a tough day, especially after yesterday's stage on the, stage on the Strada Bianchi. Although the, the main contenders, it's unkind to say they took a day off, but they certainly didn't race as hard as they did the previous day. It was a day of attrition in other ways, sadly. Quite a few uh, high-profile riders out of the race, including our audio diarist Gino Mader. Very sad. We think he crashed yesterday. We're seeking clarification on that. He crashed yesterday. I think he did crash yesterday. We checked in with him this morning and we're told that there was just cr cuts and abrasions after yesterday and he should be okay. But that did r ring alarm bells when we saw yesterday that he'd finished last on the stage and sure enough, um, he didn't finish today. And he's, uh, well, he hurt his left arm apparently. So yeah, didn't, didn't, didn't finish today's stage. Mark Soler, who had been 11th overall, crashed very heavily after about four kilometers. Uh, I carried on for a bit, but retired with a, a sore back. We're right by the Movistar team. That's the Movistar generator. You can hear it in the background as the mechanics wash the bikes. Uh, but their Giro certainly will have to be rebooted after the loss of Mark Soler. Fausto Masnada, uh, he's out as well. A big loss for De Kuhn and Quickstep, head of the mountains, with Remco Evenepoel still talking about going for the podium. A huge loss. Alex Dowsett is out as well. Um, a stage winner last year, of course. Kobe Gussens. Hope I've said that correctly. He's out too. You spoke to him a couple of days ago, Daniel. Um, and most uh, seriously, it seems Alessandro DeMarche, a pink jersey wearer earlier in the race. And again, it's a bit like the Joe Dombrowski situation where this sport picks you up and throws you back down the ground. It's particularly sad about DeMarche because getting the pink jersey was a, a career high for him. And he's had a lot of really bad crashes. Uh, this was another one. He's suffered six broken ribs broken vertebra and a broken collarbone. And it was his birthday yesterday, 35th birthday, and at the weekend we will be going into his home region, uh, Friuli, and there would have been a huge celebration of De Marchi there, I'm sure, and he's going to miss out on that, which is sad, as you say, Richard. Very sad as well. He's a friend of the podcast as well. 16-rider um, move went clear. It included some interesting names, if no GC riders, but George Bennett was there, I guess trying to salvage his Giro, his overall ambitions have not been realised. Gianluca Brambilla, Diego Ulisi, Chris Hamilton, Jeffrey Bouchard in the King of the Mountains jersey, Andrea Vendrami, Mikel Honore, Simone Petilli, Guy Niv, uh, Victor Campanarts, Dries de Bont again, uh, up the road again, Vincenzo Albanese, Simone Ravanelli, Nathaniel uh, Tesfazion, and, uh, well, Giovanni Visconti and Nicola Ede got across to that group to make it 18. But on these uh, tough roads, on these hard climbs, it was whittled down. And on the, the final big climb before the descent into the finish here, the Paso del Carnaio, the hardest of the stage, 
Brambila was pretty aggressive there. Um, he sort of forced a little group away with George Bennett, Chris Hamilton and Vendrami. And Vendrami actually was then uh, pretty aggressive too. And he got away on his own for a bit. Looked good. Um, a strange move in a way because he's a fast finisher. Um, but he had quite a big, oh, a decent lead for most of the climb. And the group behind didn't seem to be... Um, cooperating all that well Ede and Visconti were in the vicinity of the, the chases for a while but then they, they drifted away Hamilton of Team DSM uh, bridged across to Vendrami but then the four came back together and they were together on the descent into the town and on the outskirts of the, the town Vendrami attacked again Hamilton went with them and Brambila and Bennett behind kind of cancelled each other out we heard from Chiro about a bit of beef between uh, Brambila and Bennett. Um, we'll hear more on we'll that. We'll hear more we? from George Bennett, but uh, Brambila kind of uh, took uh, Bennett across the road and was in fact relegated in the end. So he was relegated from uh, third to fourth on the stage. So on the stage we had first uh, Vendrami. He outsprinted Chris Hamilton fairly convincingly. Bennett third, Brambila fourth, and Visconti fifth. No change on GC. Bernal uh, retains the pink jersey ahead of Alexander Vlasov. No change in the points competition. Peter Sagan is still in the uh, Chiclamino jersey. And Bouchard in the King of the Mountains jersey. And he had a good day up the road today. Still gassing and fueling. Not sure what or when to eat and drink. On rights that matter. Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data. Actionable insights and personalized analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. The Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens. Thanks very much to our title sponsor, Super Sapiens, who came on board with us just before the Giro d'Italia, and they've been well, fantastic already to work with. In fact, we should be getting delivered, taking delivery of our Super Sapiens devices today, Daniel. They'll be at our hotel when we arrive there. We've heard from uh, Phil Sutherland, the type 1 diabetic who is the founder of uh, Super Sapiens, and he's told us all about how glucose monitoring helped him uh, and how it can help any athlete at all, which is any of us. It's a continuous glucose monitoring system that helps you make the right fueling choices. Um, over time, the user can learn how best to manage their energy resources. It takes the guesswork out of when and what to eat. Um, now, we've been uh, running a competition, or we are running a competition with Super Sapiens for our listeners to uh, try and win three months' supply of Super Sapiens to help them achieve their cycling ambition. How to enter? Well, go to thecyclingpodcast.com and um, you'll find out there how to enter. But we want a, an audio clip of less than a minute uh, with you telling us how... Uh, it would help you achieve a cycling ambition that you have. Let's hear now from Luke. Buongiorno, Cycling Podcast. I'm Luke from Richmond, Virginia, currently sipping an 1119 cappuccino. I've been recovering from a traumatic brain injury for the last 18 months after I was struck by a car while riding home from class. It knocked me off my bike, out of school, and completely changed my life. I took a year off from physiotherapy school and eight months off the bike to recover. But now I'm back on track and just finished my first year of classes. I have big bikepacking goals in the future, including the Transvia, a 550-mile route down the spine of the Appalachians. I'm doing it this fall to celebrate my comeback. But since returning to cycling, I've become a better cyclist, but the way my body uses fuel has drastically changed. On rides longer than two hours, I've had a lot of trouble fueling properly, and my metabolism seems remarkably different than it was before the crash. 
I hope Super Sapiens will help me get more in touch with where my body is now and learn how it works post-injury. It could be the last step in understanding myself and getting back to where I was before. Thank you so much for the show. I've been drinking Pecorino wine for the last week and dreaming of the hills of Italy. Chin chin. Well, some fantastically recorded audio there from Luke. Thanks for that, Luke. Um, And uh, good luck with your ambition and good luck in our competition. We'll be hearing from some more entrants as the Giro goes on. And if you want to find out more about Super Sapiens, go to supersapiens.com. And if you want to enter the competition, go to thecyclingpodcast.com. Daniel. Well, Rich, before we talk about the stage, I think we should talk about the route today because it was a, a route that was rich in it, was positively dripping in cycling history and heritage. We went through Ponte Aima, um, Gino Bartoli's home village, and also Sesto Fiorentino, Alfredo Martini's home village, hometown. And, well, there'll be more on that tomorrow because we are releasing a kilometer zero about Alfredo Martini, the Pope, the Pontiff of the late Pontiff of Italian cycling, died in 2014. Yeah, and we can I say anything about? We our, can, our we visit, can, yeah, we briefly. can briefly tease what might be in that episode. Well, we went to his the house uh, in which he lived, where his daughter uh, lives now, and visited what I can only describe as a, a museum, a, a shrine. Uh, a museum is a more more accurate because it wasn't just all about Martini it was about the, the riders um, that he helped to world titles and there were all kinds of books and photos and awards and it was a real privilege and uh, you'll hear all about that in tomorrow's Come to Zero Yes and from Sesto Fiorentino where we climbed and the race climbed up the Monte Morello which was well, I think it surprised us how hard that climb was to climb out out of and we were in a car yeah out of um, Sesto Fiorentino we also met up with um, Alfredo Martini's grandson um, on the summit of that climb but the crowds were quite something weren't they um, on the Monte Morello I mean Tuscany is a region that has a m- massive cycling heritage due to people like Bartali due to people like Martini but also you know if you go back 20 or 25 years the Italian national team was almost a Tuscan national team. In the 90s you know you had guys like um, Bartoli, um, Ballerini, Taffi, Chandri, then Bettini and that's just you know a handful of names. Cipollini. So, Cipollini of course. Um, so it is really the heartland, the thumping beating heart of cycling in Italy or one of them but we'd, we'd possibly started to overlook that over the last few years. Um, and today, there was a very strong, colourful, noisy, vibrant reminder of that on the Monte Morello. And um, it, was, it was lovely to see. Um, you know, some people might have been watching on TV and trying to spot people without masks. There were a few who weren't wearing masks. As we talked about the other day, as far as COVID is concerned, things have been very much trending in the right direction in Italy. Yeah, I mean, it's felt more and more like a, a normal Giro. And as you can probably hear the, in the background, it feels it feels like there's a party in, in town here. Um, and big crowds on the route. We're not in Tuscany anymore, but it definitely uh, there was a fantastic atmosphere along the course. We drove much of the course. The stage maybe didn't quite live up to the beauty of the course and the crowds that were out in terms of the overall, maybe that was a, a hangover from yesterday. No, I mean, I, I think it was the kind of stage that if you were Mauro Vegni or Stefano Alocchio, who are the two guys who are mainly responsible for designing the Giro route, 
a stage like today would drive you mad because you know you you do the recons and you pl- plot what you think is a fantastic route that is just ripe for for all sorts of action, all sorts of ambushes and and counterattacks and people being very aggressive, and it just didn't happen. We we reverted or Ineos Grenadiers reverted to their old kind of catenaccio, which of course is understandable and is a legitimate tactic in the circumstances they've got the race leader but it wasn't great for from the point of view of, of the race was it certainly that the general classification race nevertheless uh, it was quite an entertaining stage to watch at the front and um, the riders who were there were it was an interesting set of riders um, you know uh, Vendrami's been trying for a few years to try and win a stage Bennett has never won a Grand Tour stage uh, it was a, a great opportunity for him today and he's obviously feeling better. You spoke to him at finish because there was that little beef with, uh, with Brambila coming into the finish. I did, Rich. George, was your rationale there sort of that Vindrami and Brambila, they, they should be quicker, so why should I have to chase everything? Well, you know, Brambila should be quicker than me, so why is he asking me to chase all the time? Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's my point. I mean, I can't close everything and, and I'm not going to win the sprint, so I have to gamble. And, and yeah, I don't know, for some, I really can't understand why... Uh, if I was a fast guy, I would have ridden that differently, you know, you just cover everything and try and go for the sprint, but if you're, you know, 58 kilos and trying to, you know, struggle to break a thousand watts, then what's the point in uh, keeping it together for a sprint? And it was the same on the climb, you know, unfortunately we had quite a big headwind and you can go as many times as you like, but if everybody's looking at you and they're on your wheel, then at some point, you know, what can, what, what more can you do? And, and uh, yeah, it's, it was really frustrating and I felt frustrated after the... The gravel, sta- the the first gravel finish, um, because again, again, it came down to sort of the games a little bit, you know, and, and stage hunting and breakaways, you know, it's not normally what I'm what I'm doing. I'm sort of uh, normally just riding from the peloton, and maybe it takes a while to get the feel of that a little bit. And uh, yeah, I think the next stages, you know, as we head into the the big mountains, it's more more about legs than say uh, playing the game or tactics and cat and mouse and all, all that sort of stuff. So. I mean, hopefully that's a bit more for me um, in that period. You might be back in GC now. It might be a bit of a problem. I don't know how many positions you've moved up, but you've moved up a fair bit, I think. Uh, I think I was pretty much pretty far out the hoop to start with, so uh, I don't think there's any danger of that. But if I need to, I'll lose a bit more time tomorrow just to make sure there's no uh, uh, hesitation from the peloton to let me go. Well, that was George Bennett. Um, I'm sure he'll have another go, and there might be stages that suit him better. Yeah, I, I mean, he. I, I put that question to him there about the general classification. He's still 11 minutes down on general classification. Well, he's, he's 10 minutes closer than he was. Yeah, he's 10 minutes closer than he was. So at 11 minutes, he should be afforded some freedom, maybe a little bit less. There might be certain breaks that he's not allowed to get in. What's incredible is days. that in gaining 10 minutes, he only moved up about three places. Yeah, we thought, we were speculating that he was going to... Um, well, re-enter or enter the top 10 a la Atapuma. Darwin Atapuma, of course, who a few years ago, certainly in our eyes, pioneered this technique of falling out of general classification to then jump back into general classification, which is, a, you know, it's a cunning cunning ruse, isn't it? Um, but he, he I, I'm not actually sure how many times Atapuma pulled it off, probably once. But in, uh, <laughs> in reality, we were seeing last night how the, the top six are all within two minutes, but get beyond that and certainly beyond the top 10 is a huge drop off uh, you know especially into the 
The Trenton Bennett's moved up four places and, to twenty third overall. And you know what? That has been a trend in Grand Tours over the past couple of years. It was a very noticeable trend last year that you're either in general classification or you're very, very much out of it. And, and I think that comes down to well, it's riders being more, much more aware of their energy expenditure, and as soon as so. You know, in most people's, in most cases, it's when they get to 11th, 12th, 13th on general classification. That's the point at which, even for the anchor an, goes out. Yeah, even for an, an inexperienced pro who's you know maybe riding one of his first Grand Tours, that not that much value is attached to a 13th, 14th, 15th place, and that's the point at which every opportunity to economise is taken. Daniel, you also spoke to Chris Hamilton, who the was other second. Beaten Antipodean, um, slightly different different reaction from Chris Hamilton you would expect him to be bitterly disappointed um, he's a, a young rider a fairly inexperienced rider and he was very much satisfied with his ride a little you know a little edge a little um, soup song of disappointment there but no he was also very emotional uh, he, he held it together for your interview with him but after he'd finished giving his interviews he he was very emotional uh, I don't think I, I got the sense that he was kind of kind of happy with with his performance let's see what the list well, see think. what you think maybe messed up the final a little bit but i gave it my all and <laughs> i can be happy with that yeah they hit super hard i mean it, there was a massive fight for the break and i think everyone knew it was going to take a long time and uh maybe not as long as it did but i just you know played it smart and waited for the for the right moment through the town and yeah then we got a gap and yeah, it was hard out there, but nice to be a part of. In the moment, it's so hard, and yeah, I don't find myself in a in a position like that very often to to be going for the win. So, if I could have my time back, maybe I would have gone 100 meters earlier. But I mean, I, I that was my everything. I mean, I I didn't have much kick left. It looks as though there might be some politics between Brambilla and Bennett. Uh, who was going to chase? Who wasn't going to chase? Were you aware of any any of that, or was it sort of? The strongest guy won. Um, well, I think, yeah, it was a bit hard for Brambilla and Bennett because, I mean, for me, Brambilla was, he was, got, I, I, I thought he was the strongest of the group and, and George was also super strong and, yeah, I guess maybe they were marking each other out a little bit and, yeah, we just took our opportunity and went for it and, yeah, I mean, it, it almost paid off. Shoot, shoot at the du peloton, cycling podcast, team car, the back of the pack, please. That said, PK, the voice of Radio Tour at the Tour de France, interrupting our coverage from the Giro d'Italia to remind us to tell you that tonight's episode is supported by LinkedIn Jobs. Now, small businesses have always shown an incredible ability to adapt, innovate and survive, and even more so this past year. Now, another way you can adapt and grow is by finding the right people to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs helps you do that for free and we'll tell you how to take advantage of this offer in a moment. But we at the Cycling Podcast did take advantage of the offer, posting a job for free quite recently. We were looking for an audio producer to work on our new sister podcast, El Cycling Podcast, the Cycling Podcast in Spanish, hosted by Rob Hatch and Laura Messiger. We were looking for someone with very specific skills. They needed to speak Spanish and preferably English too because we'd be managing them. They needed to have good audio production skills. They needed to be flexible and to be prepared to change plans at short notice. Ideally, they would be based in Madrid. 
and they had to deal with the massive egos of the two presenters. I'm joking, I'm joking, Rob and Laura. We were able to specify this in our LinkedIn jobs ad, and I don't know how else we'd have found someone with such specific skills, but we were inundated. We had over 50 applicants, most of them with the skills required. In the end, one candidate stood out, Marcus Cuevas, and he's produced all seven episodes of L Cycling Podcast so far. What I liked was that as the applications came in, it was very easy to organize them to filter, sort, and rate the applicants. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 30 million members in the UK. Getting started is very easy, and their new features can help you find qualified candidates, quickly post a job with targeted screening questions, and they'll quickly get your role in front of qualified candidates. You can manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar linkedin.com as functions are streamlined onto one simple screen. And now you can do all this from your mobile device as well. So when your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn jobs. And now you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash cycle. Again, that's linkedin.com slash cycle to post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, Daniel, inevitably, uh, when we have a, a pretty fantastic stage like we had yesterday, um, where there, there was real interest in the in the GC battle, there was a fantastic performance from Egan Bernal, obviously, and lots of interest in Remco Evenepoel's performance, etc. You, you kind of gloss over a little bit or skip over the winner because the winner was fairly inconsequential in the context of the Giro and the battle for the Giro. But obviously, it was a huge, huge victory for Mauro Schmidt, the 21-year-old at Quebec at Assos. And it, it's always a bit of a shame, that, isn't it? I'm kicking myself as well, Richard, after the Cobra, Cobra, Cobra Bryant, um, Cobra Hosen's um, serendipitous, serendipitous theme earlier in the year. Kicking myself that yesterday I didn't mention the fact that Mara Schmidt won the stage and the race passed very close to where Mara Vegni, the race director, was born. Chetona, a beautiful little village um, just, just off the route yesterday. Would you credit it? Amazing. Um, what we're gonna we're gonna I, for this reason I, I I sought out Mauro Schmidt at the finish. I had to wait I had to wait quite some time for him. He finished quite far down today, as you probably expect. Um, and uh, I caught up with him him briefly at the finish. We'll hear from him in a moment. Moment, but um, I also got some messages today from a friend of the podcast who happens to be a former Giro winner. In fact, quite a recent Giro winner. Happens to be the defending champion. And it happens actually to be the defending champion, and, and he's obviously been listening to the podcast. And he's he, he says there was a, a serious omission last night, um, especially he says considering our sponsors, and it's about fueling. He pointed out that it's very difficult to eat on a stage like yesterday's with all the stress, and it's nearly impossible on some sectors. <laughs> what, in that, in that, what's he talking about? There were all sorts of restaurants at the side of the road <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I saw, <laughs> I saw many of them. <laughs> So different, he says, to a normal stage for that. More 3 p.m. frappuccinos needed, he, he suggests. It's a good point, and we've heard this at Strade Bianchi as well, you know, how the it's impossible to get to a team car. And I did see Egan Bernal at one point wolfing down a uh, gel in a quite a frantic a way. Well, it, it, no, but it is to Tagliolini al tartufo. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, he put a napkin around his neck first. I mean, that, but that's one of those things that maybe doesn't even uh, play out on the stage itself but in the in the days afterwards you know um, and I think we, we probably saw it with Evenepoel I mean 
we heard from James Knox last night that he struggled on the on the, the white roads. Avonapol was kind of at pains to say that, that he didn't. That wasn't the problem, that the problem was his legs. Because I think he's probably uh, aware of the possibility of getting a reputation or, or complex himself about being able to handle certain conditions. You know, if the Giro comes on to these roads again and he's in the race, rivals will see it as an opportunity to put time into him. Yeah, we remarked this morning, didn't we, Rich, while we were leaving our lovely um, overnight abode in um, Tavernelli. With, just, the, with the Slovakians yeah, flooding out the car park. Yeah, just <laughs> south of Montalcino. We were talking about well, the likelihood of there being more white road stages in future and, and saying that it should really become a feature of the Giro. It's not particularly popular with um, with some of the riders but if it did become a fixture in the same way that the Dolomites are a fixture in the same way that the Alps are a fixture then I think there would be fewer complaints um, people would begin to associate the Giro with that one day when it is like that and if you don't like those kind of stages then you don't do the Giro um, you know certainly it was a big hit from the spectators point of view I should also mention Rich in our press conference the other day we revived this idea of of a new kind of King of the Mountains competition, um, a timed competition. And every time we do this and every time other people are, have mentioned this possibility, there are always objections that, that can be raised that, oh, um, the general classification riders will... Oops, there's a... Oh, we're being reversed into... Yeah, uh, looks like this looks quite oh. precarious. <laughs> I, could, I could be squashed here, uh, listeners. Um, I'm going to have to move. Rich, as I was saying, every time we mention the possibility of a time-based King of the Mountains competition, people say, and it's a, it's a legitimate point, that either the general classification riders will by definition win, or there will be, it will be even more kind of rigged and contrived than it is now in the sense that you will get riders doing unusual things like, you know, getting dropped deliberately or going very, very slowly to the bottom of climbs and sprinting up them. I I don't have any particular objections to that. I also don't think that will I happen. I think it would be interesting. Because I think you'll always go up quicker in a group or among other riders. So I, I don't see that kind of weird But I think it would, be, it would be a really happening. interesting experiment. And I'm kind of amazed that there, there aren't any races that have done that so far. Because usually these things are trialed in smaller races and then they're, they're adopted by the Grand Tours. But we, we haven't seen this at all. And as I said the other day, with the, com the potential commercial interests and commercial um, partnerships, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't happened yet. Well, let's hear from yesterday's winner, shall, shall we? Um, spoke to him briefly at the end of today's stage. Well, congratulations on yesterday. Did, did yesterday make today harder or easier? Today, you mean, uh, definitely uh, a bit harder. I was quite empty, but uh, I also had uh, no big ambitions for today. And um, yeah, but I think I, I got a bit of a hunger flat. I was dropped after like 5K because I did no warm up or nothing. And uh, then it was quite a tough day, but in the end, uh, the last two, uh, three hours, I was just riding a, a good pace back to the to the finish line. Is it quite difficult to come back down to earth after a result like yesterday's? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you sleep well last night? Uh, didn't sleep so long. Uh, I, I got uh, quite a few messages and um, 
it needs uh, it needs a few uh, a few moments until um, everything sinks in and uh, you you realize uh, what what result uh, you achieved. So. The Cycling Podcast at the 2021 Giro d'Italia is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thanks very much indeed to Science and Sport, our longtime sponsor. And if you want 25% off your Science and Sport products, go to scienceandsport.com and at the checkout enter the code SISCP25, SISCP25. If you want to enter our Science and Sport supported Super Sunday competition, go to thecyclingpodcast.com and predict the winner of Sunday's stage to be in with a chance of winning an £80 bundle of science sport goodies. That's thecyclingpodcast.com and uh, while you're there, you might want to sign up as a friend of the podcast as well um, or indeed buy one of our t-shirts. Um, but there are lots of options to sign up as a friend of the podcast. If you pay a little bit extra, you can get a Cycling Podcast casket or a tea towel, all very nice items um, and by doing so, you are of course supporting the Cycling Podcast. So thank you very much, everybody who has signed up as a friend of the podcast. We're going to hear from our diarist, James Knox. But before we do, Daniel, any other business from today? Well, another thing on the route, Rich, um, I don't know if you were paying attention, if you noticed this, but we went past in a place called Panzano. So it was kind of Chianti Sheer, the first 30, 40 kilometers from Siena to Florence. We went in Siena this morning, which is a, you know, a little bit of a, a regret of the from the day but we had other business um, so those first 30-40 kilometers were through the, the Chianti Classico region after that the peloton got to a place called Panzano which is home of Dario Cecchini probably the most famous butcher in the world a butcher who has been he's been featured on um, numerous television programs in the United States and the UK I think and friend of Mario Cipollini friend of Paolo Bettini and also Cecchini, a namesake of the famous coach Luigi Cecchini, who you know I mentioned that Tuscan dynasty of the mid 1990s. Luigi Cecchini was the coach, sometimes notorious, infamous coach of some of those riders. Of course, we had some. Well, we had tagliato last night, didn't we? Which is sort of thin strips of beef. Um, last night we didn't. We haven't had a bistecca fiorentina, and now we've you know we've missed our opportunity because we're out of Tuscany and we're heading north. We're heading towards well Ravenna tomorrow morning. Ravenna, you get some very good pasta. You tend to get good lasagna in um, in Ravenna, and then tomorrow it's Verona. Verona tomorrow night. We will be three gentlemen of Verona tomorrow night because we're being joined late tomorrow night. So he'll not be in tomorrow's podcast by Francois Tomaso. Um, That's when the real fun and games are going to start on, the, his foods, first on the food front. He's been messaging me because he's been obviously looking at the Garibaldi and he's been alarmed to see that a couple of the the stages to come, including his Onkalan on Saturday, uh, include chairlift rides if you want to get up to the finish. And Francois, as we know, has a phobia of uh, bridges and, and chairlifts. His phobia of bridges and chairlifts is almost equal to my phobia of pâté, foie gras. Really? Yeah. And eggs. Yeah. Um, but as you know, I mean, I mentioned Dario Cecchini there. As I was explaining to you the other day, Rich, I live for, outside of the Grand Tour seasons, I live as a vegan now. Um, and I only eat meat during the Grand Tour. You live as a vegan. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, Zonkalan, last time we were up there, when Chris Froome won the stage, 
You didn't get on the chairlift either, Daniel, because I think you were watching the Royal Wedding. It was Harry and Meghan. I, I had a, a business down at the buses. Okay. I was doing the real that, grunt work down your, at the buses. That's your story and I you're think, sticking with you know, it. If anyone wants to go back and check that day's podcast, you know, see <laughs> how, who supplied which interviews, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, let's hear from our audio diarist, shall we? James Knox of the Koenig Quickstep. Well, another hard day done. Currently in my hotel, Banyo di Romagna. Only 500 meters walk from the from the buses from the finish line, so that's been the big treat of the day. But yeah, hard day racing. We had a full gas, 90 minutes, going out of Siena into the Chianti Hills, really hard. Um, me, Seri, Remy, Mikkel trying to cover moves, being the front. But yeah, everyone had the same idea to get in the breakaway. With you know, quite clear that Ineos were letting it go to the line. Yeah, yesterday and. Yeah, today looked like another good day, so obviously a big fight. Um, in the end, after all the fighting and going full gas on climbs, I think Mikkel got away with the guys on a bit of a descent into a tight little village on the, on the flat before we got to Firenze. And then, yeah, there they managed to really, Ineos and a couple of other big lads, experienced boys, block the road because they'd, they'd had enough. Everyone had enough at that point. But yeah, we were happy to have Mikkel up there. Um, obviously, didn't work out for him, but it was good good for him to be up the road, having a chance for the win. Difficult stage for the breakaway also, you know. What was it, four and a half thousand metres, but spend all the energy in the start and then, yeah, race for the win in the end is not easy. Um, but yeah, in the bunch, you could just see everyone was tired. Um, wasn't a difficult pace set by Ineos, but everyone was laboured on the climbs, just sort of, yeah. Again, we was feeling the legs. <sighs> And yeah, just counting down the Ks. It was a long day, 212K. Um, from starting my Wahoo before leaving the bus, I did six and a half hours on the bike today. So yeah, um, big day. Uh, we also got wet and cold on a couple of the longer descents. We were just a bit unlucky. We got caught in some nasty black clouds and it hoofed it down for a bit. Uh, yeah, didn't need that, did we? And then, yeah, we managed to take care of Remco, Jao was also good there in the final, but yeah, the rest of us stayed around Remco for most of the day. Don't think he enjoyed the stage too much, to be honest, but uh, lived to fight another day. He felt, anyway, the most important thing is feeling good in the finish. I think everyone was a bit suffering and hating the day when wet and cold and slogging around with 100k still to go. Um, we had a few casualties today. Saw Douse that didn't finish. Solar crash and, didn't, and DNF'd also. I did see... Demarkey and Guzman's, I think, I think that's, I think that's his name, on the floor on one of the first descents. And yeah, we lost Fausto. Fausto's out with a, a knee injury that's been lingering for a couple of days. Yeah, I've been there myself, my first Giro. Mine was from a crashes, it's just from, actually I don't know what it's from, but uh, yeah, he's got knee pain, he couldn't push. And it wasn't really a day for not being able to push. Um, yeah, he was in pain, couldn't keep up at the start. and. His Giro's over, so yeah, he's obviously very upset, a bit tearful in the hotel now. I think we'll be able to sort out getting out, getting home tomorrow. Maybe getting picked up for a, from Verona or something. I think he's from from Bergamo area originally, even though, yeah. So hopefully it's all right, but feel for him at the minute. Um, and obviously a big loss for the team. He's been riding really well and been a big asset. Some of the climbing days, not easy to lose a man. Um, nice moments of the day on the last climb. I mean, Manuel de Romagna is pretty far, but um, if you just sort of head straight 
west from Chisena, which is not too far from where I were with the Zappi lads. You sort of get out to that Santa Sofia, Banyo de Romania area. Um, and the Zappi lads are out on the last climb, cheering me on. Uh, I actually miss Flavio. He must have been with the lads somewhere halfway up the climb where I saw suffering. But by the time I got to the top, I'd sat up, sat up easy and my old teammate, Callum Ferguson, who uh, helps Flavio run the team now, is at the top, so I could stop giving him a bit of a hug and say hello and this and that, considering I was, yeah, parked up just getting to the line at this point. So that was my nice, nice part of the day. And yeah, in the end, we're in a really nice hotel in a beautiful part of Italy. Um, tomorrow we're going to go to Ravenna, keep an eye out for Dante's tomb. Seen that before when I was in Zappies, even though it was absolutely meaningless to me at the time, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know if we'll see it again. It's actually not really, not really that great to look at. I didn't know anything about Dante, other than the phrase Dante's Inferno. Still don't know much about him. Uh, but tomorrow's a flat day. Looks to be a sprint, especially considering what's coming ahead. I'd imagine the sprinting teams are pretty motivated to to go for it tomorrow. Other than that, having a little yawn. I'm pretty tired. Rest up, keep chipping away, see what happens. Well, that was James, and we should wrap things up for this evening, Daniel. We should, Rich. Last thing, um, you ask any other business, last sort of tangent of the night. We had our little tribute to Franco Battiato last night, didn't we? I got a couple of messages, one in particular, how come I've not mentioned Lorenzo Giovanotti, who's more of a contemporary artist and spent most of his life in Tuscany, in Cortona. We started in Tuscany today. Simple reason. I don't like his music. I really don't like it. <laughs> um, but he's, he was also a big, he was a big chum of Pantani's. And we're in, we're, we're kind of heading back to the Pantani country. Um, we're, we're in Romagna, Pantani's home region. Giovanotti is sort of associated with this region as well by virtue of his friendship with Pantani and others. I think he's friends with Vasco Rossi, um, Valentino Rossi as well. But I just really don't like his music. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, we'll be back tomorrow in Verona or just outside Verona. We're in Suave. What kind of stage is it tomorrow? I haven't even it's looked. It's completely flat. It's so a good a, stage. A we're, we're heading into the hometown of... Verona is the hometown of Radio Viviani. Radio Viviani. Is it going to be a stage finally for Radio Viviani? Is he going to be on a high after being selected as a flag bearer for Italy? He's a defending Olympic champion, of course, in the Omnium, isn't he? Yes, he is. And Rich, this is going to shock you. Uh, tonight we're staying on a winery. And tomorrow we're also we're staying in Suave, uh, which is a famous, um, it's, a, it's a town that's very famous for its white wine. And I think we were staying in some kind of wine-themed place tomorrow as so well. So I was going to drive uh, to the airport tomorrow night to get Francois. Shall I ask him to get a taxi? I think you should. Okay, thanks, Daniel. Thank you, Rich. Love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 